everybody. Um, I am in such a good mood. It was such a beautiful day. We've had some beautiful days for Thanksgiving. It's always kind of calm and sunny and, you know, except for those poor guys up, up in the upper end of our country. I don't know what to say about that. That's, that's unusual to have that big a storm this early, actually, but it does happen. And, and nothing is usual anymore with climate change, so what can I say? But um, we have a really great show tonight because I have uh, two ladies, one in studio and one who will be on the phone with us, talking about their company called... No Dream Deferred. No Dreams Deferred. Mm -hmm. And the founding... Producer, producing and artistic director, and the executive director, founding executive director, is here with us, and it's uh, her name is Lauren Turner, and um, I had heard about. I guess I just have to be uh, honest and say I saw a story in the Advocate, mm-hmm. and it, that guy did a great job for you. I'm, I'm such a believer in. One good print story can make all the big difference in the world for for folks. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was a contributor to you getting a full house. Oh, yeah. Standing room only for your um, first production yeah. of the very interesting, very challenging uh, production of... Um, in the red and brown water. In the red and brown water. She knows she's good to prompt because she's a director. <laughs> that's what she does. It's like that commercial for the insurance company. What am I, what am I, you know, he calls out and he says, uh, uh, what are my words? What's my script? <laughs> yeah. You know, for like a, a, a one sentence advertising. <laughs> right. So um, we're going to talk about this new theater company in the city and there's so much going on in theater in New Orleans right now I don't think most people realize it's it's day and night from what it was just five years ago mm-hmm. and certainly from 10 15 years ago all you had was Southern Rep and Le Petit now mm-hmm. you have a lot of small I'm sure struggling mm-hmm. um, theater companies but that really says something about what's happening in the city so let me just start with that, and then we'll go dive into the um, production itself. Okay. And um, the star of the current show and the creative executive director, India Mack, is joining us. She's on the air, right, India? Yes, I'm here. Okay, so we're going to get you to join in, too. My question is, what's going on? What, what, what's, what's, um, what is the reason, what is the catalytic funk factor in um, this kind of um, – Renaissance? Dare I say that much? Renaissance in the in the uh, theater scene in New Orleans? Is that too big a word? No, no. Um, I think that from what I've been told um, <clears throat> is that this is kind of um, a renaissance that's cyclical in the sense that there have always there's always been kind of this history of smaller what they call downtown theater companies, mm-hmm. uh, small troops and ensembles. Um, and you know, sometimes they'll, at times they'll fade out and then you'll have them reemerge. And so I think right now we're experiencing, um, a reemergence of small scrappy theater companies that are challenging, um, challenging what is being produced in the city. Um, a lot of the companies, are, um, well, not a lot, but some of the companies are ensemble-based, which is a different way of working when you have actual company that you work with. Um, some of them are doing edgier work um, and want to kind of define what is 
production worthy for themselves. And um, it's always, there's always this dynamic in theater, I think no matter where you are, but it is definitely exists here in New Orleans where, you know, you have these smaller groups that are always going to say they want something different outside of what these larger institutions may be offering mm -hmm. um, or go against the grain, you know, a little bit. Um, so well, yeah. the thing that I, I um, enjoy so much in the production I saw of yours the other night, um, and I've, I've been in situations similar to that, um, even in New York City, one mm -hmm. of the, the productions that I most remember that was – the most impactful to me was a production of Slave Ship that was mm. that was directed by um, Gil Moses, who was one of the, was a founding partner of Free Southern Theater here mm -hmm. in New Orleans, and it, it, it was a larger audience than than uh, mm -hmm. is available in your space, but um, still a relatively for New York City a small, mm -hmm. and you were right up there, and they they did it in this kind of boxing ring kind yeah. of. A theatrical setup that was somehow really, I don't know, you would think it would put you back, but no, it drew you in mm -hmm. for some reason. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not the biggest theater goer. Mm -hmm. It's of all the art forms, it's the one that um, I, I don't have the hardest time with, but I really like very avant garde. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I, I used to go to, you know, the, the really out. Uh, guys in New York um, mm -hmm. that were doing things, and women. The downtown folk. The downtown. Mm -hmm. Down in Soho. Yep. Soho wasn't even Soho yet when <laughs> I used to go there. Yeah. You know? So uh, that's how old I am. Um, so so that's what it's about. It's, mm -hmm. it's trying to do something that um, wasn't being done, that mm -hmm. needs to be done. And, and how, to tell me how you feel this is going to develop. Well, really what we're focusing on right now is um, – serving as an asset to the New Orleans, to our New Orleans community. Um, because as a nonprofit theater company, we really have to be thinking community or should be thinking community. Um, and so how can we be a cultural and artistic asset to the city? Um, and while doing what we do best and what do we do best? We tell stories. And I think this is a perfect time to be in the business of how to build and strengthen a narrative in New Orleans, um, especially as neighborhoods are continuing to shape shift and change who we say we are um, has to has to be strengthened. That narrative, that story has to be strengthened. And I think that's one of the that's one of the unique capabilities of theater is um, how to tell a story about who people are where they're from, and also where the possibility of where they can go. And so thinking about that and digging into that, being more than just about theater. There are so many people, what you're saying about not really being the biggest theater goer, that's not uncommon. There are so many people who are so disconnected from the art form. Um, because, I'm not saying this is you, but a lot of people don't really understand the value of it. Um, and so reestablishing the value and significance of the art form as not just something to do for entertainment purposes, but also something that has a real value to communities. And I think one of the reasons uh, for that, too, is um, you don't know what to expect. 
Right. So that's why that article in The Advocate was so important mm-hmm. for um, for you, because that guy said basically, he used the word and I used the word in my copy too, mesmerizing. Mm. And so you read the word mesmerizing about a production and you want to go see it. You know it's going to be impactful for you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and, and the story of the production um, that you all presented was really it's it, did you see burning cane yeah mm-hmm. so i thought that in a way it was very related to burning cane in the sense of talking about the real life situation of a black family mm-hmm. without the resources that some of that those one and ten percenters have mm-hmm. i want to pull um I want to pull India in. India, um, doing this, that play has got to be emotionally challenging because the story is really, it's it's not a happy ending kind of story. (laughs) So tell us about um, your feelings in in doing it and, of course, playing the lead role, the person who's at the center of um, what turns out to be basically a tragedy. I shouldn't be uh, that. Is that I, giving no, it away? No, 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 you're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think a lot of people interpreted it that way. But one in in the in the character as the character Oya, the story does center around her. But I do feel that it is a true ensemble piece where everyone in the production is value is valued equally as far as the production itself and carrying the story forward. Absolutely. And that's, that's yeah. why we collectively take a bow at the end because mm-hmm. it's not that um, that sorrow. And that's what help. That's really what helps me get through it because I know that my ensemble members are there holding space for me that is outside of this reality that we're living in because that's what acting is. It's living in a reality that is realistically in, under imaginary circumstances and having them be outside of that while I'm in it reminds me that I will come out of it and that when they go in, they can look to us who are outside of it and know that they can come out of it because it's dra- it's emotionally draining for me, definitely. Um, and to also watch someone go through that every night, someone that you're connected to and have worked together for multiple weeks in the rehearsal process with, it becomes emotionally draining for you as well to watch someone you're that close to, you know, go through that. So that is what that is what we do to make sure that we, we take care of ourselves. We warm up together and we make connections with one another before we go out and also before we leave to make sure that we're not exhausted by the work, but using all of the energy that we have that could be considered exhausting or draining and making it the best production for the people who are coming to view it so that they can experience what we, what we're setting out to do, which is mesmerize, enlighten, entertain, engage, all of those things. It's a collective effort. So all of it is done together. So um, I I mentioned a minute ago to Lauren uh, about Burning Cane because I did happen to see that movie and I found that really hard too, hard to, because um, it, it's unrelenting. Mm-hmm. There's no comedic release moment in the whole thing. I think that's something he's going to have to think through as he develops mm-hmm. as a director because you do need to have a little bit of that up and down. Like even in your production, as difficult yeah. as it was and as sassy and as maybe mean to some extent the, the her friends were, <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. They were funny mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And so you could kind of smile at the same time that you're taking in the way they are structuring um, your um, the the world around her that made it uh, uh, the, it difficult for the lead person. Um, why don't one of you just uh, give me just a real um, very sort of soundbitey version of the, the story of the play? Sure. So uh, well, the play is centered around um, Oya in her community. She is living in the projects um, in Louisiana in a housing development in Louisiana. And she is a track, a young track star phenom. Um, she is offered a track and field scholarship that she ultimately turns down to care for her ailing mother. And from that fateful decision, we see her have to go up against um, obstacle after obstacle to live out uh, her dreams. Um, and in the end, um, after having to deal with not being able to conceive and um, ultimately losing her mother, um, she makes a choice that seems tragic, but is also probably the most liberating decision for her to make. And so this play really um, examines um, or asks the audience to consider um what happens to a dream deferred, and also how community um, can be uplifting, but also how it can um, stand by and watch um, tragedy unfold as well. Tell me about the playwright, um, Terrell Alvin McCraney. Sure. Um, Terrell Alvin McCraney is a rising star and has been for a little bit over a decade now. He is currently the head of playwriting at Yale. Um, and uh, he wrote this play um, actually while he was in New Orleans. Mm. Um, and it was heavily influenced by New Orleans. Mm. Um, this play is one of three in a trilogy um, called The Brother Sisters Plays. Um, and his writing is always, in my opinion, um, was, well, especially for the brother sister, play, brother sister plays, it is, um, a truthful, truthful reflection say, of true. now. It's very true. true. Um, but it also has so many, um, nods to, um, tradition and, um, there's a lot of remembrance that he pulls through. In his work as well. He's not from here, is he? He's not from here. He's from Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the play um, in the red and brown water mixes uh, Yoruba spirituality. So all the characters are named after Orishas and have some of those Orishas characteristics um, with a very modern kind of setting and language style. But the language is also very poetic as well. Um, and it's so interesting that the word mesmerizing keeps coming up because it wasn't until I think the, the Saturday before the last Sunday show. Um, and I realized that really what happens in his work is that he puts us all under kind of a spell through music, through the poetry in his words, um, and through the style of storytelling. That is literally what happens. 
Hmm. That's interesting. I, w- I would um, I would say definitely you 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 you're just totally pulled into it. Mm-hmm. You can't sit on the outside Mm-mm. of it at all. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right in there, which is I think really important for people who have not grown up with the lack of resources and opportunities that's represented in that play mm-hmm. to to really have that experience. I wish some of those folks on the other side of the political universe would see that play yeah. and, well, and, and feel that experience. And that speaks to the, for me, that is precisely the power and importance of theater yeah. is that you can have people from all kinds of, you know, different walks of life, um, different um, socioeconomic backgrounds in the same room and watching a play like that will foster empathy. So you'll, you will be able to say that you have had an inside look at what it's like to live like someone who you may never have met on the street or in your lifetime, but you have had, you have that one moment where you're connecting. And I think that's so valuable. Before um, I want to go back uh, in just a second to um, India, but um I just want to make sure that we know that one of the reasons we're doing this program today is that there is another performance this week. Yes. So let's talk about that yes. for just a quick second. We have, we have a performance on Sunday, December 8th at 8 o'clock p.m. It will be at the Pythian Market, which is located at 234 Loyola Avenue. It will be on the second floor in the mezzanine. And those tickets are on sale now. You can find them on our website at www.nodreamdeferrednola.com backslash tickets with an S. Thank you. Now, India, um, the whole cast, as you were saying before, uh, is, is, is when you're an ensemble and you work as a team, um, there's no, in, in a sense, even though there's a lead, all of the players are so powerful, and they are your where they all come from. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen, I don't think I've seen any of them before, except maybe the guy who plays... Um, Shango, Martin Betts, Bradford. The heavier set. Oh, heavier set? Yeah. The, Who's heavier set? Uh, oh, maybe you don't. Right. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Can I, can I say talking about just, Raheem. Uh, oh, okay. He's Raheem a Glassie. He's a, okay. He's a vocalist and an actor. So I think mm-hmm. I might have seen him before. Yeah. But um, they are extraordinary. So um, please, um, India, tell me a little bit more about them. So I, I, seven out of ten of us who are in the cast um, attended Diller University and majored oh. in theater there. Mm-hmm. But that that does not that doesn't have anything to do with the casting. It was just a coincidence. I also think if you do theater in New Orleans and there is no Dillard graduate there, then you're probably not really doing theater. And yes, I did say that. <laughs> but more about okay, all right. more about them. It's just I'm I'm just saying the department is huge. It's the oldest HBCU theater department in the nation, so it is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacey Mark Stacy Markey, she plays Mama Moja. She's the first to enter the stage um in character and she also comes back as the Bruja woman. Um or the woman who knows it's the her, woman who her reminds you. The, the woman, woman who, who reminds you. you. Mm-hmm. She comes back in the second act as the woman who reminds you. Very powerful. Stacy has been acting and dancing in the city for many years. Alec Alec is Raheem Glassby. He's the person that you say you may know. Yeah. He's a vocalist and instrumentalist as well as an actor. 
from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And then I take the stage next, you know, enough about me. And Shango follows me. That's Martin Bass Bradford. He's an actor, film and screen. And um, he most recently was on NCIS New Orleans, and he was in the Green Book. Um, after him is Ogun or Rodney Graham. Rodney is an educator and professional actor here in New Orleans. And then there's Nia, who is played by Sydney Jack. She is a vocalist as well as an actress, and she will be on the Polar Express this winter. You can see her on the Polar Express. Ariel Lucius is a talented and theater teacher here in New Orleans, as well as a professional actor. And then there was Oli Room, Derek Toots. He's an educator as well as a performer. And He also plays uh, uh, the Matt, man from State. And he plays the man from State, mm-hmm. and he plays Oli Room and the man from State. So he and Stacey are the only two who have two two characters that they play. And finally, Mac Guillory is an educator and actor in Tanaj Jackson, who plays Allegua. Um, my aunt is a gymnast and actress and dancer. <laughs> so, so that's um, the cast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to tell you, again, you know, as I said, I have limited, let me put it this way, I'm not a Broadway type. I'm definitely, as you said, yeah. a downtown theater type. And so um, I, I'm, I think, again, one of the reasons why um, it's difficult for folks like me and others in town to um, find uh, is, is because it, it, it's just not as well publicized, mm. you know, as the mm-hmm. Sanger Theater stuff, let's yeah. say. Yeah, the commercial. So, yeah, because yeah, well, you, you're speaking about the difference between commercial theater and independent theater. You have, mm-hmm. to, you have to find it. Yeah. You really do mm-hmm. have to find it. But um, it is a spectacular, I am always love being pleasantly shocked by um, something that is uh, as powerful. The other experience I had in New Orleans, a uh, theatrical experience that was so powerful for me, was, and I don't know if you were around for it, but the production of Terrence um, Blanchard's hmm. opera uh, on, um, I don't remember the name of it. It was about the fighter. Does, does anybody know uh, what I'm talking about? Call in if you know <laughs> the opera about, um, it's about a, a black gay fighter in New York is a true story who uh, was sensational, but um, he kind of uh, was getting pounded by um, homophobic mm. folks in the industry. Okay. Um, and it, the, everything about it, I mean, of course, uh, Terrence's score was incredible. Uh, the yeah, acting it's was, called Champion in Opera in Champion, mm-hmm. thank you. Did you see it? No, I have not seen uh, it. No, I have not seen if, it. I would you know, love it to. Was, it was Absolutely first rate, mm. very spectacular. It was, the, I would say it's the best. I don't go to the opera a lot, but yeah. I do. And I, I like, again, the newer stuff instead of the like old. Like American opera? Yeah, mm-hmm. I like, I like mm-hmm. contemporary opera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was just amazing. So um, we we are doing some good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I hope, um, I don't know if you can get any national recognition for what you're doing. Do you think? Well, we do have some. We have some. We're connected to American Theater uh, Magazine, and we're we're talking a lot about our work um, and our our lens for equitable and inclusive theater making there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also um, there was a feature in HowlRound, which is another national platform, talking about um, making theater in institutions, in larger institutions, predominantly white institutions for. theater makers of color and how to navigate that. So we are getting some because we do have a very strong focus on 
bringing um, truly equitable and inclusive practice to theater making in the city. Um, and so um, that tends that tends to allow us to have a larger profile nationally as well. Uh, obviously, you're not going to make enough money from your audiences uh, since you are a smaller mm-hmm. company in a smaller space. Mm-hmm. How how are you going to support yourselves um, over these years? Coming? We're thinking about, like we were saying a little bit um, off air, we're thinking about cross-sector funding. There are tons of ways that the arts connects and aligns with values and initiatives um, in other sectors, um, whether that's through the tech industry or um, through other community strengthening strengthening initiatives or um, government problem-solving initiatives. Um, but there is funding out there, and um, it's our job to uncover it. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, um, you know, get the word out and allow this thing to grow as organically as possible. But we're thinking yep. positive, and we know that um, we right now are um, connecting with people like you and other people who have don't don't really know yet what all our theater has to offer and are finding out for the first time, and they want more of that. Mm-hmm. And so we're I'm inspired by that. I, I will be mm-hmm. coming to future oh, productions. Great. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, what what's what's next for you guys? What uh, what's what's uh, what's on the um, the calendar? Sure. So we have a whole season um, of programming. This is our very first season. Um, we we currently have um, a free adult acting class that we offer in partnership with our community partner, uh, Thrive Ninth Ward, and though and we offer um, free childcare for those classes. They're Mondays from uh, six to seven thirty. Um, and they have a um, spring showcase coming up in January where they'll be showcasing their work. And then in May, our next major stage production will be Booty Candy by Robert O'Hara. And we will be back at the Boberg Theater for that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to just mention this to you. So um, be sure and, and, and uh, um, I'll leave this with you to look at. Uh, get, get me an ad for sure. our, our advertising column okay. uh, uh, f- for your classes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Do people pay to participate? No, it's free. It's absolutely free. Wait, so how is that funded? Um, through, a, through the strength of our partnership with oh, Thrive Ninth Ward. So that's, so that's an example of the way that we, we work cross-sector. Yeah, with mm-hmm. others, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, also I, I would like to connect you with the people who are putting together the um, – School, the new school down there uh, at the old McDonald's mm-hmm. 19. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been involved with them at all. But not, no, I have not. That's where Leona Tate, mm-hmm. when she was a little girl during um, segregation, uh, integrated the school. Absolutely. And the people who are trying to develop that project uh, might very well be interested in what you're doing, I would think. But um, and and um, India, what what what's what's on the calendar for you besides your work <laughs> with the ensemble? Oh, I, as a creative executive director, one of the main things I do is find funding for the organization. So I would love to say that today is Giving Tuesday. It's a national, it's a national uh, recognized day. Like people know Black, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, but Giving Tuesday is an opportunity to be a philanthropist and support community organizations like No Dream Deferred. And you can make a donation to No Dream Deferred by visiting our website 
www.nodreamdeferrednola.com backslash donation. We're asking for a small but mighty donation from people this year. And we're asking them to donate $20.20 for the entire year of 2020. It's small, but it goes a long way, and it supports our free adult acting class as well as our youth programs that are running this summer. We have a youth program for youth ages 9 to 14 and another program for youth 14 and up, and also to support the rest of our season, which is Booty Candy, followed by Black Nativity in December. And that's $20.20 per month. That's a monthly contribution. So yeah. um, we, my organization, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, mm-hmm. we're a, um, an advocacy organization really trying to work on this whole issue of general uh, better funding and strategic planning for the city. Mm-hmm. We put out, uh, we did a Give Tuesday campaign too. We didn't really know what we were doing, <laughs> and we didn't have uh, the ability to do um, the donation on our website, so we had to do it through Facebook. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, we've pulled in a little bit of money, but I'm not sure we covered the cost of the of putting the product, the campaign together. Oh yeah, so we'll see how we did. We did, but we did pretty good with give uh, Nola. Yeah, but um, this has been a little bit more of a struggle. I'm actually going to be ta- talking about that in the last part of the show because um yeah we we're hoping for some contributions also Mm. and i do oh and i do want to make sure that we mention and say a special thank you to our legacy corporate sponsor pythian market Mm -hmm. um and they are they have sponsored the um extension performance and um they are a market for all right india Food hall for all. Food hall. Food hall for all. (laughs) And we're theater for everyone. So we are in complete alignment around um, what really matters most to people who live here. And we're looking forward to continuing to work with them. And we want to thank them for their sponsorship. So they're good people. They are good people. And and it is a great market. And Mm -hmm. anybody who has eaten there. Um, comes back because there's a lot of choice uh-huh. and a lot of really alternative kinds of food. It's, and they have great event spaces. It's not which, just hamburgers. Not it's just hamburgers. Food. And it, they have um, a great, great event spaces, which if you come to the show on Sunday the 8th, uh, and come to our closing night reception, which is a free reception, you'll be able to see them firsthand for yourself. I am trying to figure out how to get uh, – well, we, we can continue talking, but okay. I have to focus for a minute on trying to get my next guest okay. to call into the right number. Oh, is she – yeah, I think she's calling in, and I think she doesn't know to call into 260, so I'm trying to figure out how to – maybe she's listening. The phone number to call <laughs> in is 260-9265. I saw a message from her on my phone phone and that is not going to work um you have to call 260-9265 um, mapo Kennard, i don't know if you know mapo but she's a terrific um sculptor yeah ready when you are i'm ready <laughs> call in Two six zero nine. i think she might be india's neighbor what yeah, yeah we have to find out oh yes i think i think she's my neighbor <laughs> so, so you live in kind of uh, mid city on the border yes. of Treme, kind of, because that's yes, where she lives. Yes. Okay. Live in mid city. Right. I yeah. think I think she's my neighbor. I'm like ninety percent sure. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to. Uh, I think I'm going to have to pass my phone to um, Jazz, so you can get her number and call her. Because um, I don't want to say her number over the air. That wouldn't be. Oh, yeah. That would be the polite thing to do. Um, what other, while I'm doing this, what other companies in town 
do you feel are kind of on a similar track with yours and that are doing things that you respect and like? Um, I would just speak for No Dream Deferred and say that we are definitely doing things that we like. <laughs> and, <laughs> and She wants and to grab that attention. We, okay. Yes, we will continue to do things that speak to the New Orleans community because that's our mission and that is what we strive to do. We are Our mission is to serve the New Orleans community by providing culturally relevant theater. That's what we do and that's what we will continue to do. And Good I, would enough. Say, I would say personally, I do, I really do enjoy the work of, um, uh, Mondo Bizarro, yeah. uh, Goat in the Road does some really great work as well that I enjoy. Um, and, um, there's also a theater company called, uh, Radical Buffoons that, you know, I, I tend to support and really enjoy as well. So there are a few, and I think size-wise, as far as like the smaller theater companies, those would be comparable size-wise. But we all have different missions, um, which is what I think India is hinting at. I, and I have one last question for you. Well, I still get my poll lined up. <laughs> um, 260 <laughs> Okay, 504 area code, uh, 260-9265. And um, we're going to try to call you if you can't uh, get that from me. Sorry, this is not, I've never had this question problem. I somehow didn't get her the number, I think. Um, um, I was going to ask you how um india are you native you're not native no. to new orleans Mm-mm. right where are mm-hmm. you from i'm originally from north carolina okay mm-hmm. there's so many people from north carolina north really north. i feel like i can f- never find oh, anybody from there's just a ton not <laughs> only who are who are from uh there but who go back and forth uh-huh. and who actually have um summer homes there too oh, okay but mostly i'm talking about people who are from there and who've been living here is my girl on the line my po no, this isn't Mapo. This is Farrell from Stella Jones Gallery. Oh, so Hi. I have the order wrong. Okay. Uh, stand by. I'm coming to you just a minute. Listen, thank you, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> Stella Jones is also one tonight. of our corporate sponsors. So oh, yeah. Nice Stella Jones Gallery is also one of our <laughs> one of our sponsors and partners for uh, our production as well. I'm not surprised because they have the community spirit. Too. Yeah, we're, we're neighbors really now do. down oh, in the CBD. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. India Mack and um, Lauren Turner. Lauren Turner and uh, Dream Deferred. No Dream Deferred. No Dream Deferred. No, mm-hmm. Dream singular or plural? Dream singular. Singular mm-hmm. deferred. Uh, you have to see this production once more where it is and when. It's going to be Sunday, December 8th at 8 p.m. at Pythian Market, which is located at 234 Loyola Avenue. Um, tickets can be purchased online. They're discounted tickets. And our web address is www.nodreamdeferred, nola.com. No Dream Deferred, nola.com. There you go. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much, ladies. All right. Thank Sorry. you. Thank you for having us. Good night. All right. Thank you. And, um, okay, right. So I got my order a little bit off. And um, Beryl Johns is up next. And Beryl is with the Stella Jones Gallery, which is one of my favorite galleries in town. I've never seen a show that you have done in that gallery 
that I didn't love and found fascinating. And so, and, oh, and, oh my goodness, and you now have been going at it for how many years? A lot. Um, I've been with them for 11 years, so yes, a lot. Okay. And um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on today is because um, I really, uh, every year, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans, which is my nonprofit that I work with, puts on something called Give Art, a Give Art campaign. And we try to persuade people to think about giving art as presents instead of the the usual suspects, you know, the sweaters and the um, rumbas and the what, you know, those kind of things. Although I wouldn't mind getting a rumba for Christmas, Tana, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> but um, I, um, I, I wanted to just call people's attention. And I think a lot of folks who didn't have art education in school, which mostly is almost everybody now because it got, that got cut so much over the past decade mm-hmm. or so. Um, are a little bit intimidated at the thought of art. They really, they feel um, uh, uncertain. And uh, I always say, uh, you just have to kind of get to know the owners of the galleries, talk with them, uh, have them tell you what the shows are about. And then after that, um, you know, sometimes you get to meet an artist and you visit with the artist. But then the art can kind of speak for itself and you can really get the feeling for what, really intrigues you and resonates with you. Is that, would you say that's kind of a good summary of, of how it works? But, but tell us about what happens when you get somebody who walks into your gallery who's not necessarily your typical art collector. Well, that happens all the time. And we just try to make the process easy breezy. Um, there's nothing hard about it. You see things on the wall and you either are drawn to them or you're not. So um, if you fall in love with a piece, then um, go for it. Um, you don't have to necessarily know about a lot about the genre or even the artist, although we make sure to educate all of our clients. Um, but it's, the process is easy. It's, it's, it's not hard. You know, the price points aren't crazy. And um, we offer layaway plans, gift certificates. You know, it's, it's a way to give something that's unique that will last a lifetime and it will impact the person and connect you to that person. And, you know, I think that um, the fact that, that layaway is definitely a payment strategy in the art world, more so than on almost any other um, area of retail. And it used to be very common and now it isn't so much, but it, it really does work in the art world, especially when you're getting the work of a more established artist who's more expensive. And then that, that layaway, um, um, option is, is an important one. But, um, I think one of the things I also try to tell people is that, you know, when they read about art sales in New York in the millions that hedge, only these hedge fund guys can afford, and they get the impression that art is expensive, truth is there are a lot of young artists making incredible work that may someday be very valuable that is not expensive. Oh, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of interesting, exciting things happening um, in the contemporary art world today. And there are a lot of um, artists right here in New Orleans that are doing really interesting things. So look around you. You don't have to look to New York, um, across the world. Um, look right in your community and see what's going on. This is a great um, artist community. There are all levels of artists. 
doing all types of art. And also, I think something that a lot of people may not realize is there's actually a, a very substantial number of black artists in New Orleans who are making work, and the work is both beautiful and also it has it very often is message based. So it 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 operates on more than one level. Oh, absolutely. Um, artists tend to paint, draw what they know, and so you'll get um, our viewpoint, the black viewpoint. Um, we do um, offer art. Um, we offer mainly African-American art, black art. Um, that's our niche. And um, so, yes, it's often um, storytelling art. Um, it's not just beautiful, but there's a message behind it. Um, and so, but, you know, across the board, they, there's self-taught artists. There are artists who um, do realism, just all genres. It's very interesting. It's an exciting time for art. The show that you had um, not uh, too long ago, I guess it was in the past year, I think, of Keith Duncans. He's one of my favorite artists in the city, and I've actually shown his work uh, in the Myrtle Banks building where we have a gallery space, and I was really happy to see him get a, a true gallery show um, in, in your space. Uh, his work is so um, dramatic, colorful, uh, but also it has a bite. It has a story to, to tell. And um, I, I appreciate that message that he, he brings to some. So he might have some images that look initially when you first look at them as kind of your stereotypical tourism images. And then all of a sudden you kind of look deeper into the uh, into the picture, into the painting, and you'll see a homeless uh, person, a mom with a child in an obviously difficult situation. And he's he's kind of reminding you that it's not all about Louis Armstrong and his trumpet. Absolutely. He's a genius at storytelling, and he does it in such a way that um, you're able to live with the art. Sometimes the subject matter is tough, but um, he also can do things with a little bit of a wink and make you smile. And so, yes, he's he's absolutely one of our treasures here in New Orleans. Um, what what um, what happens for you in the holidays? Do you see a kind of uptick in um, your sales, or is it a time when you think a lot of people tend to um, uh, shop the more uh, commercial? And of course, now with all the online shopping, um, they just grab the the nearest Amazon um, opportunity. I don't I don't buy anything on Amazon at all. I buy local. I just truly believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a process getting people to realize, um, you know, what's right in front of them here locally. Um, we're a small business. And um, so we do have to work a little bit harder uh, during the holidays to um, get people to come through the doors and check out the website and see what we're offering. What um, what's up now? So we're we're getting ready to have an opening this Saturday. Um, we're partnering with Photo Nola for the first time, and so there are a lot of local photographers on the walls. And um, we're always interested in finding a way to get local artists um, on our on our walls. We're very good at um, having masters. Um, a lot of dead artists, the, the artists who set the bars. So we're always looking for ways to um, shine a light on some of the local talent. So um, 6 to 9 on Saturday, Photo Noah will be um, in the house with photo photography. 
Um, I've I've seen Photo Nello shows uh, before, and they are also, as as uh, the theater company folks just before were saying, um, and and you as well, uh, very community oriented, um, and and uh, do shows that um, often uh, are message based and deal with social justice issues, for example, and and um, uh, they 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 show some beautiful work, beautiful work. Um, yeah, it's hanging now, and we're very excited. So we'd love for people to come, come by and show support. Um, what, what, uh, to tell me what your feeling is about the way the art scene is evolving at the moment, and and the place of the black artists in that scene. And well, um, and, and jazz, I need jazz to uh, um, uh, come visit me for a minute while I'm talking with you. Go ahead. Sure, but um, so we're um, we we're about to celebrate our 25th year in two years. Um, Stella Jones and um, her husband Harry Jones started the gallery, and it's always featured um, African Jeez. art, black art, and so we're just now seeing um, this the, that this is the time that people um, are recognizing um, the importance of um, black art that it's been around and black artists have been um, on the cutting edge of um, various genres all through um, out time. They're little recognized until basically this moment. This is the moment for black art and we're so excited. So we do see um, a different, you know, client coming through the door um, and we're, we're here. We're excited and um, we're happy to see that the artists, many artists, are alive to see um, that they're coming into their own um, without having to be the dead artist, and all of a sudden um, people are interested, as has happened in the past. And um, I, I must say, though, one of the other things about your gallery that I've always enjoyed is your mix of showing uh, historical works uh, as well as the work of, of contemporary artists. Um, I hope that this is a good season for you, Beryl Johns, um, gallery you. assistant at Stella Jones. And um, I, I urge folks to give art. Go check out that gallery. You know where it's 201 St. Charles Building right there, right off Canal Street on, on St. Charles Avenue. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's right off the corner, actually. What's your exact address? 201 St. Charles Avenue. We're oh, you downtown, can go right, right in the middle of everything. Right. You can walk to us and then stop and have something to eat at a restaurant. Um, we're, we're, we are accessible. Thank you so much for being there and for doing what you do. Beryl Johns, thank you. Thanks. All right. Um, and now I'm going to bring on one of my longtime favorite artists, and it is a woman named Mapo Kennard, who is, as I said in my <laughs> newsletter, um, one of the uh, high-spirited, positive uh, folks in the world, and um, her art uh, carries... Uh, that energy and um, it her work is in primarily in ceramics, um, uh, often sculptural but also vessels. And um, you teach at um, at uh, Xavier, right? Yep, that's that's my home base, um, my dream I, job. I'm gonna uh, uh, get to that in just a minute, but um, right now uh, Mapo's work is uh, is on exhibit as part of a show called Earthworks. <laughs> 
um, at Crevasse 22 River House, which is this incredibly beautiful um, spot. It is a sculpture garden and a small, um, almost like a museum, really a museum quality space that we call an art center, but it is um, the only reason we don't call it a museum is because you really have to go get all kinds of national credentialing, which we'll do one of these days. But in the meantime, um, all of the sculpture and ceramics in this show are incredible. And you just have to call uh, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans to schedule to see it because we are open on a by appointment and event basis. So we do a lot of events, but we also do by appointment. So just call us. But uh, Mapo, tell me about how you decided to become a ceramic artist and, um, you know, why that speaks to you in particular. And, and tell me uh, uh, what you, how, how would you describe uh, the nature of your work? Oh, wow. Um, I, I love the material. And so, you know, when, when you start working with clay, usually the first thing that your teacher teaches you uh, is how to make a pot. And it's through making a pot. You're really connected to a tradition that's international and ancient at the same time. And so I was drawn to the physicality of the material. I mean, it will, it will do anything you want it to do <laughs> once you learn its rules. So I had some great teachers who, who you know, were very giving of their time and energy and, and uh, you know, because you make a lot of mistakes in the beginning. And you have to not be discouraged by, you know, trial and error. You really have to be in love with the process. What What is it? Um, did you paint? Did you ever do paintings? Yeah, I mean, I drew. My dad was a technical artist, and I have a sister who is, like, was so intimidatingly good at drawing and everything else that I just kind of kind of did it on the side. And then finally, when we went to different high schools and they had a ceramic studio in the basement of this Quaker school I ended up going to, um, I fell in love. I, this guy was, you know, they had a couple of potter's wheels in the basement, and I got on one, and it was like, I, it was just magical. I mean, I was terrible at it. I was, <laughs> they were like pointing and laughing at me, but it was just it felt good. So you just, you know, my thing is follow, follow what feels good. You know, that's so uh, funny how that is almost exactly the words that the very famous American, um, well, he's not as famous as he ought to be, but he's he definitely is one of the, the most important American ceramic artists, George Orr, mm-hmm. uh, says the same thing that the first time he put his hands on a pottery wheel, he said it was like a duck landing in water, that um, he just felt so connected to it and felt so right, and he immediately himself became a potter and uh, and also did very revolutionary work way back in the 1800s, uh, late 1800s. He did a lot of his um, really revolutionary work. What what um, what do you hope people will see in your work? Um, well, I I make a a couple of different types of work, a couple of different bodies of work. So, you know, from functional stuff, um, from cups and bowls and dishes, I just want people to enjoy the food and and to sort of connect with just having an object that they can use. Um, 
just before she passed, Leah Chase um, did a project with myself and Jillian, who is who created this wonderful exhibition called Feast. And I had I remember that, yeah, yeah. So I had some bowls that I made for the ex- event, and they got Miss um, Chase to do the gumbo for it, and so. You know, that was such an honor to be able to, you know, to to have that opportunity. And and although Miss Chase has one of my works in the restaurant, too, so it's, I'm in great company there in terms of having work that people can just enjoy while they're eating or enjoy owning or, you know, it's like, it's it's kind of like eye candy, you know, in a way. But then I have some other pieces that are more personal, and so there are different types of statements. Um, the work that you have in the Earthworks show is more what I would classify as monumental. They're large pieces, um, and they, uh, they they really stand alone. One is um, actually even a, a floor work, and then the other one, um, uh, we gave you a whole table uh, to it by itself because it was so strong. And I want to know a little bit about those larger pieces. Um, they're two, they're two separate series. The, the larger, um, black one with the, the, the sort of like the drawing on the outside is really inspired by New Orleans. And when I got here, uh, improvisation was a, was a real driving force. And I wanted to see what would happen if I went at things in a much more improvisational way. And so, these forms were out of that series, huh. and then the um, and so it got me a chance to be sort of free they're, because they're not vessels. Right. The piece, um, the other piece that is on the table, uh, the gold piece, is still a vessel because it's like a shrine orientated piece, which sort of leads to you know altars and which are architecture is you know containers for people. So in my in my dad, that's what he did. He was a a technical artist. He a draftsman in, in drawings of buildings and this idea of uh, creating these spaces inside of my sculpture. So that one is really about exterior and interior, while while the other one is really about the exterior play on surface and and its general form. It's so interesting to think about the inside and the outside. Uh, because it it's true that a lot of um, of um, ceramic works that I look at, um, they they do have that inside and outside element to them. Um, in fact, we have one work in the show there. The um, um, what do you call those things where in the inside and the outside are, are continuous? And there's no outside or inside. A Mobius, what's it called? A Mobius. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's a fascinating piece, but yeah, a lot of the work is very different when you look inside and when you look on the outside. Um, well, now I, my pa- I think it's go ahead. I, I I think it's because the of the tradition of clay and its relationship to vessels. We you can't help but sort of acknowledge that idea of containers, oh, and so that yeah. the idea of inside outside, right. you know, is a part of that. That vocab visual vocabulary as well as conceptual. Right. Well, um, I you also you teach at Dillard. Do you teach only students um, of Dillard, or do you uh, Xavier? 
Do, can outside people take your classes? Uh, I've been teaching at Xavier for for uh, 20 years, and I've had people outside of Xavier come. In fact, um, Kappa, who owns this incredibly delicious restaurant um, that's uh, in the uh, that's in New Orleans, right off of uh, uh, it, oh God, I can't remember the street, but she runs a, a restaurant called Horns, and she's a ceramic artist, and so she uh, came I know in about her and that restaurant, yeah. Yeah, so she actually came and took a class, and she's a fabulous ceramic artist, and so mm. she wanted to get some more information, and so I had her as a student in my class with, with regular Xavier students who, are, who tend to be younger, so it was great to have her energy there. She mm. was, you know, it was fun, so I was, you know, I, I really do welcome people outside of Xavier to take take the class, although it's during the day, so most people have, you know, jobs during the day, but we have a wide variety of people who come through come through the Xavier Art Department. So, you well, know, this a, city is so... Yeah, and, and there's a lot of people who uh, don't have a full 9-to-5 type jobs who um, can uh, check in. So that is a that is a great thought. I, I can't think of anybody that I'd rather um, uh, learn how to make ceramic pottery from than uh, Mapo Kennard, whose work is on exhibit now at the... Um, uh, Crevasse um, 22 River House. Um, Mapo, I need to close off the show, which is coming up. I'm sorry we didn't get you on quite uh, on time. No, this is fine. It's a great space. That Crevasse, that's that's a beautiful place to have an exhibition. So thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. of, Of the real classic Louisiana landscape. But I also just wanted to add that today is Giving Tuesday. It's almost over. And um, we could definitely use any contributions that anybody wants to make. You can go on our Facebook for either myself, G. Nathan, or for the Creative Alliance of New Orleans um, up, up until midnight tonight. So there's plenty of time. But make, yep. even if you make a little tiny contribution, uh, they were talking about um, the uh, uh, production uh, gals that were here before were saying they did a $20.20 for the coming year. Um, uh, use whatever formula you want, and even the smallest amount will uh, will help uh, the Creative Alliance of New Orleans keep inviting people like Mapo to show their work. And thank you, Mapo, for the work you do and for being an artist in New Orleans. No problem. Thank you, Jean. Thank you. And thank you, folks, for listening in. This is, was the artist. This was the heaviest art show I think we've ever done, and um, I enjoyed it. And I hope you did too. And we'll be back with you next week. Gene Nathan, Cross Town Conversations on WBOK.